it's one thing to be a friend to somebody. It's another thing to be yoked together in a permanent life relationship. Now this will go fast if y'all go fast. Unequally yoked together. And some of the scriptures in the laws, and you don't put an ox and an ass together. And, there's, and you don't yoke them together and plow together. And brother, it's one thing for me to give gospel love to sinners and be a friend to them. It's another thing to marry a heathen. Right. It's another thing to enter into a life business partnership where you're yoked up. That's right. It's one thing to go on vacation with your relatives because you have to. Yeah. <laughs> and it's another thing your best friend is some pagan. And you run off to Egypt half the time of your life, and you're unequally yoked together. Amos 3 3. How can two walk together except they be agreed? You're running with whoever you are. You tell it on yourself whether it be good or bad. And so sometimes, just in the matter of Christianity, the fact that you are a child of God. It calls for fellowship to be broken. <coughs> Let's read the Scriptures. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? My generation tickles me to death. They all want to fuss about nothing's wrong with anything. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Honey, you're telling on yourself. Your body is the temple of God. What takes place in a temple? What takes place in a temple? Worship. It ought to be a holy place and a hallowed place and a hallelujah place. It's a worship. Brother, our body, we are the temple of the living God. We ought not get involved with nothing down there in the rank and the filth of the vile of the slime pits of Sodom. You're putting a temple in that junk. There's a precious word. Underline this. Fellowship. What fellowship? Underline communion. What communion? Concord. Underline that. Part. What part hath he that lives in the middle of Verse 16. Underline this. Agreement. What agreement hath the temple of God that? Those are precious things that I'm not going to sacrifice to sin. Now I don't have time to develop this. I want to go to other places. But let me tell you something. Fellowship is a wonderful thing. First John 1, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and then with one another. Communion is a wonderful thing. And for all the former Roman Catholics, that's not when you take the Lord's Supper. Communion is when you sup with Him and He sups with you. And in that word agreement, if two of you shall agree on earth, Honey, heaven starts moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that concord. Somebody needs to do a word study on that. I bet that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And then that part. What part has he to do? I'm glad I'm a part. Amen. Right. Yeah, yeah. 
down there at the assembly line that put them parts together. I'm a part of the family of God. Honey, those things are just too precious. And for me to run down there and act like I'm an Egyptian. What a little song. <laughs> Some of you rockers from the 70s walk like an Egyptian, or was that the 80s? <laughs> Amen. Some of you old rockers, and don't tell on yourself now. Maybe you walk like an Egyptian, talk like an Egyptian, and maybe because you are one. Because there's no fellowship. Come on, that's right. Yeah, that's right. With light and darkness. The minute light comes in, there's no darkness. That's right. Amen. Amen. So, see, and now here's the wonderful thing that you'll separate. Watch verse 17. I love this. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. God is loaded. Circle them, and then circle thing. If you get away from the, the wrong things, the wrong thing will be out of your life. Right. I wish I had somebody. Right. Most of our struggle with the wrong things in our life is because we have the wrong them in our life. Right. If you got the right them in your life, them won't be tempting you to curse and tell dirty jokes and listen to wicked music and, right. and run with an ungodly... Can I get a witness right yeah. there? Honey, these teenagers are the only reason teenagers ever have struggled with the right, they got the wrong things in their life because the wrong them is in their life. Amen. You come out from among them and then it's easier not to touch the unclean thing. Yeah. And then he said we can act like a family. Right. What, did that, what did the last verse say? And I'll be a father to you. Right. And you can be my sons and my daughters. Right. And he said I can receive you. Mm-hmm. I can receive you. And, and who said that? The Lord Almighty. Hey, folks, our God is a mighty God. And if He's on our side, who can be against us? And isn't it good to be in sweet fellowship with the family, with the Father? He said, we can act like family if if y'all get that Egypt stank off of you. Ain't nothing more precious than to be around a Christian who's covenant with the Lord. Amen. Ain't nothing better than being around a church who has got rid of the, of the right thems and the right things until God can now receive you. Right. And you come in there, you act like a big family. Right. Yeah. Right. Amen. Jennifer wants a new living room set. One we've had, we've had for 10 years. And the way we've got it set up in there, we got a long couch, but it's in the wrong place. And we got a short couch, and it's where I can, and I don't like where the recliner. So I adopted that little love seat, the two seat, the two seat thing, and it does recline. And I sit there. Well, then Jennifer's gonna sit with me, and so she sits next to me. And then my little girls, Amen. They like to crawl and love on Daddy. Can I get a witness? So they climb up there. And then Preston ain't going to be left out. And he like hugging old mama and wrestling with me. And you'd think we were mentally afflicted if you come by our living room. There's a couch as long as Arkansas. The whole state sitting right there. And a little love seat finger. And there's five of us on the little thing. It's, it's broken down and wore out. And there's a great big recliner that I ought to be in. But it just don't like. And I'm right there. And we're all piled up. 
Amen. As long as anybody ain't had to have a whooping as long as we ain't been in the fuss, we're all over the cat. Y'all don't act sanctified now. Help me now. Amen. If they ain't been misbehaving in the rut of hiding from a good whooping, they'll get up on daddy's lap. And if me and her ain't been fussing, and I mean, we wouldn't ever fuss except her side of the family, they hard-headed. Now, sometimes I know. I better not be looking at people that know me a long time. So like, well, let me find somebody who don't know me. Well, thank you. Ain't no help. Amen. She's got to put up with me a lot more than i got to put up with her. I'm like Berman Cape Sr. Old man of God, married 62 years before he died. He said, me and Sister Kate, in 62 years of marriage, have never went to bed mad at each other. Amen. Amen. He said, some nights we just didn't go to bed. <laughs> I said, it ain't the first time I heard the food started me in <laughs> you know what? When everything's right between me and her, and everything's right in the little children's life, we're all Concerning Christianity, you're going to have to break fellowship with some things. Go to 1 Corinthians 5. Here's your second seed. We're going to swallow these vitamin seeds. Amen. 1 Corinthians 5. You can write this down. Sometimes in matters concerning church discipline, you'll have to break fellowship. Sometimes you have a man that is called a brother committing sin, turning against God, and, and there's got to be church discipline. Now watch this, 1 Corinthians 5. And verse 9. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous or extortioners or the idolaters, for then must you needs go out of the world. Look here for a second. He said, I ain't talking about sinners. Sinners are going to act like sinners. Yeah. If you're going to get away from sinners, you've got to find another planet. Uh, yeah, amen. And there ain't nobody on Mars, and ain't nobody ever been on Mars. Amen. Right. Verse 11. He said, but, what I'm talking about, 
But now I have written unto you not to keep company. Now we're not talking about being ugly and we're not talking about being a smart aleck, but not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer, that's someone who says hard, harsh things against people, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, somebody that somebody that robs the finances. With such an one, know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? He said, we're not judging the world. Heathen are always going to act like heathen. Say amen. Do not ye judge them that are within. But them that are without, God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Brother, God has given us a matter of judgment in our churches, and we are too. There does come a time. They were dealing with a wicked individual that was committing incest right there, unrepentant. And it had to be dealt with. He said, verse 6 maybe, what verse? Your glorying is not good. Right. Honey, I don't know how many churches that I go by and they have glory, but it's not good. Just because you sang a song and got a steeple and got a pastor don't mean what's happening down there is altogether good. I want to have the real deal. I want something pure. I want honey out of the cone. Somebody say amen. Can you get 11 out of the lump sometimes? So, somebody's under church discipline. And the church has had to judge them. And and this don't often happen. And and, and I've seen it abused. I've seen it. It takes a wise pastor. It takes a strong church. And I'll say this. Oftentimes in the South, we we spoil everybody. We spoil our children. We spoil our relatives. And and oftentimes people want to restore someone who hadn't even repented. You can't have restoration without repentance. I don't care how much you love them, how much you're willing to repent on their behalf. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen three or four people gather around and love them so much and have such a big heart. They've already moved on to restoration. But the person who offended has not even repented. Right. You can't repent on behalf of somebody. they got to come back humble and repent it, and then we can restore them. Amen. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. The whole contemporary movement in these mega churches is based on one thing. Let's restore everybody without asking anybody to repent. You can't get saved till you get lost. That's what the old times preach. They're trying to save everybody. They ain't nobody want to be saved. That's right. You can't restore a brother who ain't repentant. God's not able to help him until he wants help in his heart. Amen. He said, you don't keep company. You don't even eat with him. Yeah, And that's in the matters of church discipline. And you want to talk about going somewhere where the glory is no good? That's where matters have not been dealt with. Now, it's like an hour and a half to talk about how to deal with different matters, but, brother, sometimes the church has to put judgment on a wicked person who is operating their wickedness right in the body of Christ. And he said, I ain't asking you to go out there and judge the world. 
God's going to judge the world. He's appointed a day in which he'll judge the world. He promised you one thing. The heathen ain't getting away with it. They just think they are. But in the church, brother, he called. He said, it's up to you to judge. And in chapter 6, the next chapter, he said, you shouldn't even... You shouldn't even take a brother to court and sue him. He said, you, church brethren, going down to the world for a lost judge to settle a spiritual matter, he said, you ought to have more judgment than the world. Don't you know you're going to judge the world and judge angels? Right. He's talking about that thousand year reign. I'm going to be in charge of this thing. Amen. I'm putting in for mayor of Atlanta or Jacksonville. One or the other. I've invested in all three. I want to be the millennial mayor. And if I can't get none of that, I want to be the governor of the great sovereign state of Alabama. Hey! I mean, I got the right head for it and everything. Come to Acts 15, I'll give you the third. Everybody with me so far? Sometimes it's because of your Christianity you need to break fellowship. Sometimes down there at the church, when there's church discipline, you've got to break fellowship. Here's the third one. Write this down, the word contention. Sometimes there's... This is going to surprise all of you. It's going to surprise you. Sometimes there's contention in the ministry. I'm going to say something you probably never thought of this or heard of this. It's going to blow your mind. Did y'all know sometimes there are two preachers that can't get along? Huh. Ha, ha, that's an eye-opener. You never do that. Do you know sometimes in the ministry that people just can't get along? I know you find that hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> it take the grace of God. It's a wonder that people stay in church after everything we observe and witness in church. Can I get a witness right there? Watch this. And it is the Holy Ghost that keeps us in. Somebody say amen. Sometimes there's contention in the ministry. And, that, and we're talking about people sincerely trying to do something for God. Let's read this, and we'll see how this works. I'm in Acts 15. How y'all doing? Yes. Verse 36. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our... Now, underline that. Just let me throw something at your pastor and somebody pre- just for a second. And this may help some of you. Paul was at halftime. He'd already served God 14 years on a mission trip. He'd come back to Jerusalem after 14 years. He went up there to Jerusalem, met with the elders, had a big debate and fuss over the doctrine of law and grace. He was trying to figure it out. All them Jews at Jerusalem were still heavily influenced by law. And, and, it's, and, and, and Paul and them went out there with them old Gentile dogs getting them saved by the free grace of God. And they had to deal with all that. And you know, every generation deals with matters concerning law and grace. And, and some are too heavy on law, and some distort grace. And that's always had, a matter that had to be wisely discerned. So then he's sitting there at 14 years waiting on God. And the Lord said to him, Let's go. 
You say the night at 21 years. What's the next 21 years? Well, I say praise God. Yeah. Let's just reload, yeah. reboot, regroup, recharge, and go again. Yeah. Amen. It's my 30th year. It's my 30th been celebrating. My 30th year of being saved and preaching and filled with the Holy Ghost. Preaching my first message 30 years ago. As a young lad, 13 years old. And my first revival, three years later. And then started pastoring it four, four years later, five years. This is my 30th year. And I am glad that God brings you to a place and, and, then, you're there, and then you'll say, all right, let's get up and go again. Yes, that's right. Amen. Ding, ding, ding. Round seven. Yeah. Get up and go again. Yeah. Amen. There ain't no quitting place. Right. Right. Yeah. Hey, y'all want to go to some dead churches? I can take you to about a thousand of them within 50 square miles. Yeah. That's where they shut out and quit. Yeah. I want to be with somebody who said, let's go again, boy. Yeah. Let's go again. Yeah. Tighten up the boot laces. Amen. Slick her back, crank her up. Let's go again! Yeah. I like that. Amen. Verse 36. He said, let's go again. Verse 37. I'm going to read these to you, and I'm going to go walk through it. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them, from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Y'all see the contention? Barnabas determined to take his nephew. Found out that John Mark was his nephew. John Mark was immature. He was a baby of some sorts because he had quit on the first trip. And he didn't go with them to the work. Well, he quit and he wouldn't work. And then I didn't even see here where he's wanting to go again. Uncle Barney wanted him. And I done some reading up and y'all just take it for what it's to go do your own study and see what you think. But I think the boy's mama was, was running the whole thing. I've done a little research in Bible characters, and John Marky Marky's mommy mommy was named Mary Mary. And Uncle Barney, I think, was under orders from, from Sister Mary to take Marky. That was his nephew. Underline that word determined. And Barnabas determined. That is a self word. Yep. There ain't no talking there of the Holy Ghost said, the Spirit of the Lord led. Right. Jesus impressed his heart. None of that. Right. Uncle Barney was determined. Mm-hmm. I wish I had somebody. Alright, so now we got family involved. Ooh, we. Ain't it something in the ministry when you get family involved? Somebody said, you better not touch that situation. They're all family. (laughs) 
I ain't gonna touch it. I'm gonna set a hand grenade in the middle of it and put a string on it and get behind a concrete bumper and pull them up like that. Don't let a family ruin the family of God. You said amen so good. I wanted to preach me, but don't even need to. Isn't that one of And so now, verse 38, but Paul. Now watch this. You think you think that we got family involved? It's complicated enough. Watch this. Barnabas was a mentor of Paul. He was an older preacher that took Paul under his wing when Paul first got started. Paul had a real conflict on his hand. He not only had to go against the family. Barney, Mary, and Marky. <laughs> and everybody that loved them. Y'all ain't helping them. And he had to go against his hero. One of the older preachers in his ministry. You want to talk about something weird is when you're having to make a stand against some preacher or some Christian who helped you get started and then they got more self somewhere along the way. That's a strange feeling. When you got to make a stand against a hero or a mentor or a father figure because they got crossways inside of So you got you got heroes in the store. You got family involved. I'm smelling the real potential for a heavy duty contention. Some of y'all been in church longer than five months. You know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Just hang around with us, baby. About half a year, we'll show you contention, baby. You just stay on, boy. We'll contend the fire out of it. Can I get a witness? Amen. Contention! <coughs> now, watch this. But Paul thought not good. And verse 39. The contention was so sharp they departed somewhere. And Barnabas took Mark and sailed... Unless, you know, Dr. Mike Bagwell said, he said Barnabas sailed off into oblivion. He's never seen in the right. Bible again. Yes. Right. Tell you something, you get full of self, I don't care if you're over people or you're under people. If you get full of self and get your own little ship going, we may never see you again. Right. Right. There was only one apostle in this chapter that had the anointing of God on him, and that was Paul. Yeah. There was only one apostle. I wish I had somebody. There was only one man of God in charge, and that was Paul. On this mission trip. And by the way, Silas was recommended by the brethren. Flip back to chapter 15, verse 22. It pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men on company. And I, Paul, Martin, and Jesus, and Silas! Chief men among the brethren. So we got one, ain't nobody for him but Uncle Barney and his mommy. And we got another that got no family figures and no hero attachments, nobody's reckoning. It's just the power of God and the apostles of Jerusalem and the the church. I'm going to tell you the wisdom here. John Mark did turn out for God later. Got all the scriptures. What was twenty years later? Paul and he said, John Mark, who is now profitable for the ministry. Yes, right. 
Wow. If Paul made the wrong decision, that surely would have messed up Mark's ministry. How did he turn out for God later and even write a gospel? Oh, I wish I had somebody right there. Amen. Couldn't you hear him talking when Paul was making that thing? I can't believe he's being so mean to that little preacher boy. He spared those old hats. Because in the middle of the next chapter, they grab him. They beat Paul and Silas. They strap him. They throw him in prison. John Mark obviously wasn't ready for that. And God was looking ahead in the next chapter. John Mark couldn't even handle work at that point. I don't think you could have handled a beating and an imprisonment. Can I get a witness? Yes, Aren't you glad for the time that we think we're ready, but God keeps us on hold? And somebody's got enough sense to say, it ain't time for you to go. Tell your mama and your uncle to stay out of it, please. Amen. He spared the boys' ministry by telling you ain't ready to go. And if Uncle Barney had stayed out of it, I wish I had a witness right there. How many of y'all and how many folks in the South have took side with Uncle Barney who was full of the self and got in a ship that went to nowhere and was never heard of again? Right. Well, I can hear him now. That Paul, he needs to remember where he comes from. He's disrespectful to his elders. Look how he's treating Barnabas. Why, that old man of God helped him when nobody else would. If you're overflowing with that kind of wisdom, you might have to start writing books or blogs or something. (laughs) I wish I had the same thing. Let me tell you what we're supposed to do. When the contention gets in here and there's family involved and there's heroes involved and there's decisions and there's a ship going that way and the, and the, and the original ship going this way and another ship going that you better stay with God. Yeah, yeah, that's Amen. I think y'all heard me. You better stay with the Spirit of God and get away from people that are full of yeah. And you better get away from people who's doing it for others and not for Jesus. Yeah. Favors for nephews and favors for heroes. I wish I had somebody. Yeah. You better get on the ship that's got apostolic power on it. Yeah. You, better get on the, you better get on the ship that the local church has said this is Right. You better get on not not the young not of these young spoiled preacher boys. You're gonna ruin them by spoiling. Right. Yeah. Right. All these pretty boys, all these star quarterbacks, all these childhood prodigies. It runs them all before they even get to life. Yeah. I wish I had somebody. Yeah. You ruin them before they even get started. Right. Contention. When it comes down to contention in the ministry, you stay on the ship that's got the preacher on it, that's got the, that's got the local church's approval on it, that's got the power of God on it, that's got, and you stay away from Uncle Barney's and Aunt Mary's and little nephews that got to be petted and, every, and all the whining and pouting. I wish I had Amen. And if you do anything for God longer than nine minutes, you're going to have you can't take teenagers on a Friday night outing without three fusses breaking out. You do got to wear clothes 
preached on the four hallelujahs of heaven. And just tell them it was wonderful. Yeah. Tell them Brother Dean, Brother Tory, and Brother Lucky did a trio jig on the front row. Amen. Here's the last one. Everybody doing all right? Watch this. Here's your last one. Not only in the matters concerning Christianity, you got to break fellowship sometimes, the matters concerning church discipline, and matters concerning contention. And by the way, you can't go on Barney's ship and Paul's ship. That's right. You do got my choice. Yeah. And don't stay on the land and say, well, they're all fussing the fight. I ain't going with nobody. Right. You'll be left behind. Right. Yeah. Hey, okay, I'm saying, leave me alone, y'all. Genesis 13. Here's your final seat. Sometimes in matters concerning carnality, You'll have to break fellowship. Yes. I'm going to show you the first mention of the word separate. Many of our have already seen it. Maybe a young Christian hadn't seen it. The first mention in your King James Bible of the word separate is in verse 9. You got Abraham telling Lot to separate himself from him. Right. Yeah. Now you know what's interesting? Is you would really think the first mention of the word separate would be a saved man telling the lost man that, you know, we can't run together. But the first mention of the word separate is a saved spiritual man, Abraham, who had an altar and a tent in the will of God. Separating from a saved carnal man, Lot. We know that he was just righteous in God, but he was saved according to 2 Peter. He was carnal. Right. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. Yeah. He loved. He loved the things of the world. He threw away his family and his life and his testimony. He threw away everything. Yes, he, he threw away his walk with God. Yeah. 
He left Abraham in the altar. He left Abraham and the will of God, the presence of God. So watch this. And we'll just comment on this and we'll be done. On sometimes carnal people in your life. You have to tell them to go. Let's read. Genesis 13. I'm nearly done. Verse 5. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. The lamb was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. I'm in chapter 13, verse 6. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram and cattle, the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Verse 8. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and I. For we be brethren. Right. Y'all look here. Anytime you got a saved spiritual man having to having to walk together with a saved carnal man, there's going to be strife. But we shouldn't have strife if we're brethren. But if one of you is carnal and you don't love God, but you love Sodom, there's going to be strife. And so, verse nine is not the whole land before thee, Abraham said. Here it comes. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. Hey, y'all. Look here. Right here. Like this right here. Look here. Sometimes you'll have to tell people, you have to get away from me. Right. That's right. Amen. You're right, preacher. You have to. But I want you to notice how gracious a spiritual person is. Abraham gave Lot the choice. See in the verse? He said, if you go go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. Spiritual people let other people go first. Right. Spiritual people let other people do what they want to do. They step back and say, we'll just kind of wait and see what God wants me to do. You go first. Amen. And here's another nephew. It's a bad night for all the nephews. If you're a nephew, shame on you for even being a nephew. <laughs> Most of us, I guess. Maybe. Lot! What Lot should have done was repented and got right. And I'm sorry. I outfit in the way we acted. And you're the man of God. You're, you're Paul getting on the right ship. You're Abraham with the altar. I'm staying with you. And I'll make my will act right. But common people don't ever think like that. So Abraham said, you, you, you do whatever you want to do. Now watch how a carnal man makes a decision and how a spiritual man makes a life decision. Watch this. What does the carnal man do? Verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes. And beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. So verse 11, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Watch me now. Here's how carnal people make their decision. They say, Well, let me figure this out on my own. I'm going to trust my eyes. I'm going, to, I'm going to operate off my wisdom right here and do what I think is best for me. The big number one. Are y'all with me? The, the, the new Negro spiritual comes to mind. I 
can't even walk without you holding my hand. Honey, watch how Abraham made his decision. This is good. I'm three minutes from going to Waffle House. Y'all better get it because I'm taking a leave. Verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, by the way, God may start talking to you again if you get them carnal people out of your life. Amen. You didn't hear me. I said the Lord may start talking to you again if you'll get them carnal people out of your life. I said you may hear the sweet voice of the Holy Ghost ringing through your soul again if you'll get them carnal people out of your life. People that love Sodom, people that love Egypt, people that don't know the ways of God and don't care about the mind or the heart of God. If you'll get them out of your life, I said, you may hear the voice of God again. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, this is very telling, lift up now thine eyes. What is it? Abraham was standing there with his head down. His eyes closed. I'm about to pop a handful. I'm about to run. Amen. Now you see. Wait on God. The car man. Let me see what I do for myself. Oh, here. Oh, this is a fantastic. His own will, his own wisdom. Here's Abraham. He waited on God to come by and put a thumb under his chin. Look up now, son. And since you left it up to me, I want you to look in all four directions. And I'll just give you everything. Yes. Amen. I'm going for a southeast to the western. Since you left it up to me, I'm going to give you everything you see. Amen. 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 Yeah. Waiting on God is not easy on the flesh. And wait on God to show you how little faith you really do have. God ain't never helped none of us because of our great faith. He's helped us because we have little faith. And He didn't want to disappoint that little faith. He said, You just got I'll honor that. Oh, my. Go back up there and start struggling. Is that all right? Thanks, sir. Yes, sir. Here I'm going to come back to the British saying, every step I think is a step. That's correct. Now look at here. I, I ain't done. Look at it. You know what the will of God is? Brother Lucky, since I've been studying this particular, I started calling the will of God the wilderness of God. Amen. God! Hey, y'all, look here. There's just two people who sing on the floor. <laughs> look here. Look at me. Lot chose Solomon and it looked like the paradise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When God does show you His will, it'll be a dirness on the end of it. Yeah. About that. Yeah. God said, I want you to, I'm going to give you all this desert. <laughs> Thank you. 